Welcome, guys. What a week. What a week. What a week. I hope you and yours have had a productive week. As our emotional intelligence and self-awareness grows, we will tend to ask ourselves deeper and more intelligent questions. In network marketing, the real product is people, uh, you know, well-trained distributors, well-trained team members that eventually become future leaders and then well-trained leaders on your team. And when you do it sequentially, then it can be duplicated. And the question I've been asking myself, and I know the answer, but I think a question a lot of times people don't think about is, do people steal your energy or do they give you energy? Do people steal your energy or do they give you energy? And all of us either get energy from others or we don't. Do people drain your energy or give you energy? Are Is it easier for you not to have to think about it too much and just fall into the easy path and just follow the energy of the herd? Because a lot of people just follow the energy of the herd. And I think you have to have a lot of thought. You have to think a lot. You have to be very self-aware to understand, do people give me energy or do they take my energy? Network marketing is a people business. Your long-term income is in direct proportion to the value you provide to the market that you serve. You can have anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Guys, that's just wisdom of the ages, truth. However, there are dozens of business models that don't require us to deal with people. So if people drain our energy, why would we choose network marketing and put ourselves in such a daily energy drain? I mean, what is really the answer? And the truth is some people are blessed or cursed with the need to make positive impact on the lives of other people. It's in their DNA. And if you have that in your DNA, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, you don't. I mean, they can't help it. Uh, There are those in the world that sincerely want to make a positive impact. The the, the rub and what we have to be aware of is Jim Rohn told us, never mistake sincerity with truth because some people are sincerely wrong. All of us are who we are based upon what has been programmed in our mind from birth to about 12 years old. You know, the culture in which we were raised, the country, the state in which we were raised plays into that. The culture, the environment, along with our parents and other authority figures. And then all we do is the rest of our life after our first 12 years is we just, through our self-talk, reprogram uh, reiterate over and over that which we believe to be true about ourselves, And at some point, a lot of times people think, well, maybe I, I need to rethink this, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, I can, uh, maybe what the mind can conceive and believe I could achieve. Maybe I don't have to be a loser. Maybe I'm not for, you know, maybe I can change it. Maybe my environment or the town in which I was born or the, or the country has nothing to do with really what's my upside potential. We start doubting these program perceptions. And then we make the, the, the difficult decision to make the change and take responsibility. And change is very difficult. It's a difficult process to reprogram our mind, but it's been proven scientifically through neuroplasticity that we can create new brain cell patterns. We can erase negative brain cell patterns and replace them the ones that we don't want, but it's not easy. It's simple, 
I, I mean, it's simple. You know, I, there's a lot of seminars, and you can go to all the seminars and courses and marketing businesses and and try different different niches, and you can do everything in the world. But if if we don't change our programming, nothing's really going to change. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. But most people will not take the time to implement the process. They just won't do it. But they could. Sound deep? It's deep. I'm going to make this as light as possible. But we really need to talk about it in this session of the Network Marketing Success Podcast. Uh, this session... Uh, we're calling, we see things not as they are, but as we are, emotional intelligence, EQ, self-awareness, programming of our mind, and the metaverse, the metaverse wealth. Uh, that's the subject of this podcast. My name is Dale Calvert, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small-town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. Hey, this is Dale Calvert. You know, every time I think I've got things figured out, uh, I'm reminded that Helen Keller told us life is a magnificent adventure. You got to live it as a magnificent adventure or not at all. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that I pay absolutely no attention to how long a session runs. It may be 15 minutes. It may be an hour and 15 minutes or longer. And if the content's not, if the content's not providing you value, then you should just turn off the podcast. And I say that because last week's podcast I thought would be about 30 minutes of material and it ended up being over two hours. And I had no idea. I came in here, recorded it, and left, and I didn't have any idea until my podcast got uploaded it on YouTube. But with that said, you know, I received more positive emails from people I didn't know and have never communicated with about the content of that session uh, as much as any session I've ever recorded. And get this, 95% were positive, which never happens. So if you took the time to send me an email or leave me feedback on iTunes or wherever you hear this podcast or on YouTube, uh, I appreciate you more than you know. I depend upon it. And just a real quick special shout out to John Graham, uh, Bernadette Michaels, Clyde Stumball, Stamball for y'all's comments on YouTube uh, and the emails from Lori and Marilyn and Devin and Johnny D, Larry, Mercedes. Uh, Elizabeth and everyone else I may be forgetting. I also need to give you guys a shout out. I appreciate it. And a special one to Mr. Constable, Mr. Constable, who is currently not involved in network marketing, but you know, he's following his heart and doing what he needs to do to make a positive impact on the world right now from our email communication. 
but he doesn't miss a session of this podcast, and he's currently living in a tent in the Australian bush. In a tent in the Australian bush. Uh, thank you for your positive words of encouragement in your email I received this week. You know, there's no doubt that we're living in a time of more uncertainty than any of us have ever seen. More people are living in a state of fear, frustration, distrust, aggravation, and uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty than any time in our history. And it's for good reason. I mean, I, I get it. We all get it. And But there are solid people out there that are starting to doubt themselves, and that's never good. That's not good. So to you guys, I'm just going to say get regrounded in your faith and in the wisdom of the ages principles or whatever regrounding means for you. That's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, I've had a couple of emails. People say, Dale, are you going to release your program in your mind for success package this year? I usually do it every December. Honestly, I hadn't even thought about it. I'm sure I'll probably do something. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, uh, so so I'm sure I'll do something. So just stay tuned to this podcast. For those of you that don't know anything about what I'm talking about, you can get a free a free course there right now. It's at programmingyourmind.com. Go check that out sometime this week. It'll be very valuable information. But really, honestly, the only reason the network marketing profession, in my opinion, is not exploding is just lack of leadership in the profession. I mean, we're, we're really, as a profession, experiencing the unintended con- consequences for the decisions we've made over the last 15 years from, you know, self-proclaimed gurus, the good old boys network, and quite frankly, many corporate officers and, and I can tell you at this point, I sincerely don't know the direction this podcast is heading. Uh, many times I've considered changing the focus to just mindset stuff and reprogramming your mind because that's what I so deeply believe in. Uh, then, you know, so get into personal development or maybe just talk about side gigs or other general business topics and so on and so forth. And I don't know, and that still might happen. Honestly, I just want to make a positive impact for entrepreneurial spirited people, and that's the bottom line for me. Uh, network marketing is the best passive income generating business model on the planet, on the planet. But the world and all business is getting ready to change over the next few years in ways that is very hard for most of most of us even to imagine. Uh, metaverse. If you've never heard that term before, remember you heard it here first. I'll briefly talk about that at the end of this session because millionaires will be made quicker than ever because of the metaverse. And if if you think, you know, you're going to be in the people business, the most important concept that I've been talking about for years, and it's something that I think those in the personal development world have not quite picked up on as much as I wish they would. And it's just a concept that I coined or a phrase that is simple. It's as as human beings, we see things not as they are, but as we are. We see things not as they are, but as we are. It's easy for personal development teachers, network marketing teachers, or those teaching any business model to tell people what they need to be doing. You need to be doing this, and this is what you do. 
you know, but it's a whole nother thing altogether to lead by example and and do it yourself and and explain to people why they don't do what they need to be doing, help them to understand the fight, flight, or freeze that's programmed into their DNA. Uh, so no wonder the masses are confused. I mean, any of us can attend a dozen webinars this week or live Zooms in any business niche that we choose and listen to a dozen different gurus in that niche tell us a dozen different things that we should be doing. Most of them will probably work, it's, at least at some level, or at some point in history it's worked. But that does not mean that you personally should be doing that particular niche or business model or activity within your business model right now. It may be that's exactly what you need to be doing, but maybe not. So what do you do with all the what have you done with with all the information you've 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 heard from the last 25 Zooms that you've attended? What what have they meant for you? What have they meant for you the last 25? So the real questions, really, guys, you got to get real with the real questions. What do you really want? Sometimes what you really want and what you should be doing or are called to do can conflict in your mind. I, I have experience with that daily in my mind. Sometimes what you really want to do and what you should be doing or are called to do can be a conflict in your mind. But never in your soul, never in your soul. You know, so you should ask yourself when when getting on a Zoom, who is this person? Why should I be listening to them? Uh, Who have they personally taught these systems? And what have the results been? You know, most important question I had to ask myself years ago was why are people not doing that which, which, which I'm teaching them to do? And that's when I started to understand about the program at a higher level. You know, it always comes down to the way their mind is programmed. You can not expect people to do that which they simply are not capable of doing. I mean, I had a partner. He was the great, greatest PR person, shaking hands and kissing baby person in the world. But it, when it count, when it come, when it came down to implying intelligent thought to systems, no clue, not no clue. So until people reprogram their mind, they can sit in on every seminar and Zoom meeting from now to the end of time, and nothing's going to change. If if they don't believe it can happen for them, they will not take action. Belief leads to action. As Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Because people see things not as they are, but as they are. And that includes me, and it includes you. And look, I get it. I know I'm a strange guy. I accept that. But I've thought through a lot of it. Deep self-analyzation. And I understand exactly how that happened. Some of it, a lot of it, it it is in my DNA. But most of it is just because of conscious daily mind programming, honestly. And, and I know that I'm programmed to play the game. 
I am programmed to play the game. I love the game. Uh, I'm programmed for success. I get up every day knowing I'm going to win that day. And I have developed the ability to take consistent action and work towards worthy dreams. I mean, I don't have to motivate myself. I don't have to stop wasting. Dale, you got to quit wasting time on doing this stupid stuff because I no longer uh, do stupid stuff. I mean, I just I got past that years ago. I mean, I don't need to convince myself to take action. I don't have to worry about getting my yard mowed or changing my oil. See, I don't know if people really get this, but I mean, if you're serious about success and progressing and moving forward in your life, how long should it take for you to get the good stuff, I mean, the real important stuff from your head to your heart and make it part of who you are? You know, I talked about this last in last week's podcast, and I just don't think I drove the point home well enough. I mean, there's certain key factors that are just critical. How long should it take you to get those critical key factors programmed in your mind, in your heart, to where they are just who you are? How long should that take? So the main point I hope you'll get from your head to your heart and really think about this week is as human beings, we see things not as they are, but as we are. I'm going to share with you some random experiences from this week that I hope will drive this point home and attempt uh, at the end to bring it all together. I had an interesting call this week with an old friend and former team member, a great guy who's experienced uh, a lot of financial success. You know, he's made a million dollars two or three times and lost it a couple, two or three times in his life. But he's doing really good, got a wonderful family, great wife, and somebody I've always respected. Extremely high-level understanding of politics, uh, high IQ, high EQ, which is very uh, – you don't see that a lot. Most high IQ people have prob- have problems zipping their pants uh, and tying their own shoes and most EQ people are all over the place. This guy has high IQ, IQ, IQ and EQ, maybe the highest combination of anybody I've ever known in my, li- in my life. And anyway, we were talking, and like I said, he has a very, very un- good understanding of politics, and we were just talking about how encouraging what happened in Virginia last week was and how proud we were of the parents that just got in the school board member's face uh, the school school board officials and got in their face about the crazy curriculum that was being used and the negative programming their children were receiving. See, I, I, again, by the time you're 12, authority figures, there's a lot of programming going on. So we were, we we laughed uh, and we talked about it and we, and we were excited about it and we laughed about how all the talking heads. Uh, in the media, we're talking about dog whistles, dog whistles, and racism, and and that was the reason that Virginia elected their new mayor because everybody in Virginia is racist, and totally ignoring the fact that Virginia elected the very first 
woman of color, a winsome Sears, who will become, who is, will become Virginia's new lieutenant governor. A sharp, sharp lady. So, and, and all these pundits talking about Virginia's racist and that's why the, the Democrat governor was voted out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are these people really that ignorant? Or do they just think everybody else is? Quality people want to support quality people. And their background or race never enters their minds. It's not an issue. Quality, quality. So the question is when these news reporters and talking heads heads ignore the facts that are right in front of them, what does that really say about them? What does that really say about them? And I believe it says that they see things not as they are, but as they are. So from a business perspective, he said, Dale, you know, for years, you know, people looked at you like the old school guy. And he said, me and me included, he said, I was, you know, getting into all these other businesses and doing all this other stuff. And it's like Dale's the old school network marketing dude. And he's about my age, so it wasn't a matter of age. It was just a matter of what I talked about. And he said, but the world, you know, as the world gets crazier and crazier, crazier, people are really starting to wake up. And things are coming quickly in your direction. Because if, as, you, as you have always said, truth is truth. Wisdom of the ages is wisdom of the ages. You could try to shortcut it, but at the end, when you speculate away from wisdom of the ages principles, there's always going to be unintended consequences. So anyway, that was a very encouraging conversation for me uh, this week, catching up with an old friend and... And just confirming a lot of what, you know, we talk about with someone that I really, really respect. And again, the fact that people see things not as they are, but as they are. The last couple of weeks, Don and I cheered on the Atlanta Braves in the playoffs against the Los Angeles Dodgers. They got past the Dodgers and then they faced the Astros in the World Series and won that. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast any time at all, you know that baseball is my favorite sport. Uh, I'm not a baseball fanatic, but if you say, Dale, what's your favorite sport? It's baseball. Because growing up, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a major league baseball player, and I've probably shared on this podcast a story about throwing out my arm as a teenager. But I love the ba- game of baseball. I love the strategy in baseball. And today I'm a fan, but I'm not a fanatic. I'm a fanatic about the University of Kentucky basketball team. Uh, there have been a couple of summers, you know, when Don and I first got married, that that we did not miss a Braves game. Literally every night we watched the Braves. Uh, we would go to the stadium and watch them when time permitted. Uh, but we were all in Brave fanatics for a couple of years. And, and that was before this podcast and when I was in my coasting mode. Uh and honestly, it was before I had my heart problems and four stents placed in my heart. And at that time, I was forced to ask myself some very serious questions about, you know, what am I supposed to be doing with the rest of my life? And, 
is I've, I've shared many times, when your reality surpasses your expectations, your wildest expectations, and you feel like you've already lived the dream uh, and you've never focused on more and more and more money or focused on having stuff, it can really mess with you. Uh, and you can get to a point where you just kind of feel selfish or, uh, you know, selfish for even setting goals because you've been blessed so much and you've experienced so much. So that was when we were first married and we really enjoyed, you know, cheering on the Braves the last couple of weeks. It was awesome to see Freddie Freeman, who's just a tremendous person, human being, teammate, uh, you know, watching him from the time he came up with the Braves in 2010 as a rookie and, you know, finally seeing Freddie get his World Series ring, uh, especially after the Astros were picked to the world, picked to win the World Series and to see all that happen. I mean, it was good. And, and during all this time, I had a lot of flashbacks uh, over the past couple of weeks to the summer of 1990 when my brother and I operated our baseball card and sports memorabilia shop and how much fun we had that summer doing card shows all over Kentucky and Ohio. And we went to dozens of red games after those shows. We would do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. And if the Reds were playing at home at night, we'd be, we would go buy tickets from scalpers and be right in the, I mean, behind home plate, great seats. Yeah. We paid a bunch for them, but it was worth it. We were using profits from our card shows, and every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'd be at the Reds game, and we just had a great summer, and then remembering how the Reds were such an underdog that year, going into the World Series against the Oakland A's, who had the Bash brothers, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, and how exciting it was to follow them so closely that summer and then go in and and be at the World Series, be at the playoffs, and then watch, you know, we got to go to the World Series in the playoffs and then watch them sweep the Oakland A's in four games. I mean, that year we were not fans. We were fanatics. Uh, we listened to every game, and we were totally plugged in, which is the way, honestly, I spent most of my summers as as, as a child. I mean, from the time I was six to probably 14, I could count on two hands the number of Reds games that I didn't hear live on the radio, which was the majority, or every now and then when they were on TV, I could catch them on TV, but every game wasn't on TV like it is today. So you'd have to wait maybe a Saturday game of the week. But I said all that to say this, you know, my smart aleck brother-in-law, who's always been a brave fanatic, okay, fanatic like will always be said about me about the Kentucky Wildcats basketball team but anyway he asked me uh when did, you know we were talking about Freddie Freeman and uh how cool it was his last bat in the World Series to hit a home run and he said when did you decide to be a Brave fan again and for a minute I thought none of your dang business but but for a minute I thought, Dale, have you have you just become part of the herd that jumps on the bandwagon? Uh, you know, you just got to be, you just got to jump on the bandwagon. Have you become part of that herd? Like, you know, all the network markers that have to be part of the 
cool kids and be in the uh be at the seminar in Las Vegas because uh you know everybody's going to be there that's anybody in network marketing and it's like is that what is that what has happened because you know everybody in Atlanta's doing the tomahawk chop for a couple of weeks uh is that is that what you're doing but that just it didn't last for a minute but it hit me for a second uh because he knows you know at one time we were fanatics a couple summers I mean, but everybody was fired up about the Braves. Everywhere you went, people were wearing Braves foot, you know, paraphernalia, hats, shirts, whatever. I mean, even, you know, former President Trump was in the stands during Game 4 here in Atlanta doing the Tomahawk chalk. Uh, so I briefly asked myself, Dale, are you, have you just become part of the herd? And then I had to remind myself, you know, this you know, he's my negative brother-in-law. He doesn't know me, my history, uh, my thoughts since my heart challenges. Uh, you know, I'm no longer a baseball fanatic, so, you know, let him think whatever he wants to think. I mean, I don't owe an explanation to him because I understand how he's saying things because, honestly, he was kind of jealous when we knew so much about the Braves, and at one point he was the Braves' go-to guy in the family. But anyway, he sees things not as he is, uh, or he sees things as he is, not as they are. And that's the way we operate as human beings. So uh, it was kind of interesting just to have that question asked and then the thoughts that it provoked in my mind for a few minutes. Uh, but before we leave the topic, yes, former President Trump was in the stands at Game 4 doing the tomahawk chalk. Uh, and mainstream media never put him on camera. Not once. They never, not one time was he on camera. Now, if you just think about that, if Clinton, uh, or, or President Obama, or one of the Bushes had been there, do you think that could have possibly happened? A former president at the World Series doing the tomahawk chalk and network executives make the decision they're not putting I'm not putting him on camera. Can you imagine that ever happening? They never put him on camera. So who who's really making this these decisions? I mean, really? Who made that decision and more importantly, why? And does mainstream media really think that they can influence the masses? I don't know. I guess they do. When you think about it, I guess they have. So I had a real busy day on Saturday. It it started early. I had uh, a phone call with someone in another country. So time 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 differences. I had to get up real early. And then I had to, I needed to do some research regarding a new lead generation system uh, we're hoping to implement, that we will be implementing within our APL Go team. And then uh, the rest of the day was going to be spent watching the IHUB Global virtual kickoff event that was happening in Vegas and then watching Kentucky and Tennessee play football Saturday night. So the IHUB Global event was good for what it was. Uh, there were a couple of tiny red flags, but nothing I can't ignore or work through. Uh, 
you know, you know what what they say. You know, it's it, it just is what it is. And they introduced something, a couple of products they described as quotes in quotes disruptive services. And I just need to learn more about them. I mean, that's that's the point there. Uh, they also introduced an investment group. Uh, I can't think of their name right now, but uh, they brought all five of these executives on stage, and they talked about how they are going to be funding the millions of dollars that's going to be required to get the helium hotspots in the marketplace. And and they were very, very, very impressive group of corporate people. Uh, I was beyond impressed, probably the most impressive group of corporate people that I have seen. Again, they were from outside the industry. They're just an investment firm coming in to back this whole project or this whole company. So like most events, it was really fast-paced with multiple speakers talking about a variety of different topics. Uh, two, or three self, uh, two or three gurus spoke as well. Uh, they tried to, it was evident to me that they tried to have a sequential flow to the event and I appreciated that, and honestly, the flow was much better than about 90% of the events that I've ever attended. And anyway, they announced uh, the third tweak to the compensation plan in, in about a year since they've started, not quite a year. And that's never good. But sometimes it's necessary, and for me personally, it was very understandable. I mean, I'd shared with our group a few weeks ago that I felt like they were going to have to make some kind of change uh, because of, of a couple of different reasons. But I'll just kind of give you the, the, the background, and I think if I, by doing this, you'll, you, it'll really drive the point home that people see things not as they are, but as they are. Uh, originally, they had a business model where you could – Become a founder, invest $3,000, get six hotspots, $500 each. And then they were teaching the puppy dog type sales approach, which I love. You know, you basically set the hotspots, uh, you know, in your brother or your friend or relative's home and pay them a percent of the amount of money that they make for a couple months and then give them the opportunity to invest in, in the hotspot for themselves and keep all the money. I mean, it, it's beyond no-brainer. It was probably going to be slow, but it was solid. And I loved it, and I felt like it would attract a lot of business-minded people. And during their first 18 months, they enrolled 18, or the first few months, they enrolled 18,000 people. And so the day before I was planning on, like Dawn has been beyond busy, as you guys know, both our parents have passed away this year. They're trying to uh, deal with the, the estate and all the, you know, years and years of, of stuff. So she's been gone and working with her sisters almost every day. So I was waiting for Saturday uh, for her to get home. And that the Friday before, uh, I had planned to sit down and talk with her and tell her, try to explain uh, why we were ordering six hotspots, hotspots from iHub Global right after uh, a few months earlier, you know, I, I had talked to her about why we were ordering uh, six Bobcats, uh, you know, helium miners directly from one of the manufacturers named uh, the manufacturer, a miner called Bobcat. And the day before that conversation was scheduled to happen, 
they did away with the six-pack program. They totally did away with it. And they introduced this free minor deployment system. And I believe they started maybe to realize that this unknown helium mining niche had a huge upside potential, was creating a tremendous amount of curiosity with people, and probably they were getting pushed back on the six-pack uh, so they decided to bring on an investment group and offer these free hotspots. And honestly, uh, I was concerned from the, from that point. Uh, I didn't know how all oh, this was play would play out. Still don't. And you know, I felt like the the 3K six pack program would attract business minded people. Uh, if 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 I had three set up here in. Georgia and three in Kentucky, and I could go in with documentation say this is what they've done. I, I, I believe based upon the average number of of coins that each box would mine, it would be just a no-brainer for any business-minded person. So I was fired up about that and that whole experience, and uh, I felt like the free deployment system would just attract a bunch of freebie seekers. So I just kind of sat back and waited and watched uh, for a couple months, and then you know, I ended up being in bed in COVID for for two weeks, and I watched this thing just keep growing and growing and growing, and it grew to about over eight hundred thousand affiliates around the world, the fastest growing affiliate program in history. And so September first, I jumped in, uh, and I talked about it on another podcast session. But make no mistake about it, I mean, my primary focus is APL Go, but I saw this as a short-term project that would be built out pretty quickly and would pay long-term significant residual income, and I just didn't want to miss the wave. So we put together what I called the perfect promotion system. And with that, I mean, you know, the company in the last couple of months has gone from 800,000 people to like over a million uh, I personally enrolled over 175 people, most of which I don't know. I've never met. And more importantly, and the thing that really was the the thing that pushed me over the edge as far as talking more about this was the fact that I'm seeing so many people uh, have levels of success that they have never experienced ever in this profession. Literally undescribable, unbelievable what has happened I wouldn't believe it if somebody was telling me, but once we introduced this perfect promotion system, that was only like two weeks ago. I mean, it was like we went from about 500 people to 1,500 plus people on our team, just boom, boom. And the majority of these people have never been in MOM or direct sales, never really done anything entrepreneurial, just I call them average shows. And when you really stop and think about that, when was the last time you saw that happen with any company? I mean, really, ever, right? I mean, maybe Herbalife went, I, I don't know. So the challenge the company had experienced over the, you know, the first 18,000 affiliates came in, they ordered, they got their, their six packs, and they looked, and like 2,000 of the people had not even plugged in their box. They not even plugged it in. So when they realized, hey, this is growing a lot quicker than we ever anticipated, has more potential, we're going to bring in an investor group. And they, and my my understanding was they were going to talk with several. The ones they decided on, the, the group that they're working with, 
uh, they basically said, look, we can't send free $500 minor boxes to people that are not going to take the time to plug them in. And I get that because if they don't plug them in, nobody's making any money. The investors certainly aren't. The company's not. The person's not. So I get that. Uh, I don't blame them. Uh, I would probably say the same thing if I was putting millions of dollars into that type of project as an investor. So yesterday they introduced some kind of new program uh, where you can lease a box, and I don't really know the exact numbers because in my mind it really didn't matter. I mean, it is what it is. But something like $99 down and then $19 a month to lease a box, or you can buy a box with what they said was a $500 deposit without explaining it beyond that. And the the bottom line here is there's just a lot of unanswered questions, and the way it was presented and explained was just not good. They dropped the ball. And honestly, for me personally, I didn't think a lot about it. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, back in January, it's like I'm I was prepared to invest three thousand dollars. So you know, if the average box is creating seven hundred dollars a month in value. And, you know, then I've watched the price of helium go from $14 to $33 since I started following it. And I've seen projections as high as, you know, a few years from now, $600 a coin. I mean, honestly, it just doesn't concern me. If it's a good investment, it's a good investment. And I know the owners and and investors, you know, understand for them to be profitable the field must be profitable. I know they get that. So again, I I see things as I am, maybe not as they are, and certainly not as many other people see them. So anyway, uh, when all this is happening, uh, they you know they make that announcement. And I don't think too much about it, honestly. Uh, I'm I, I'm just thinking, well, we're going to have to change our marketing approach, and that's really all I'm thinking. And I'm I'm sitting down and I'm watching the TV and between me and the TV is a coffee table where I have another laptop where this event's being being played. So I'm working on my laptop, watching the football game, and then I'm hearing listening mostly to the event that's happening through live stream. This was an all day event. And I see the chat going off like popcorn, but honestly it didn't register for me at all what might even be they were even talking about. Uh, and it didn't I, I didn't, I don't care. I mean, I'm not the kind that cares about chat comments. And, and so I, I'm not even thinking anything about it. I'm kind of trying to watch the football game. And then one of our team members calls, calls me uh, while I'm sitting there watching. And he said, are you seeing what's happening in the chat box? Because he's out watching it as well. We got people all over the world they're watching this this live event and and i said no he said well people are just freaking out and coming totally ungrouped unglued uh they're yelling bait and switch uh, that i knew they had something coming that they aren't telling us about and i knew and this was too good to be true and then somebody some poor victim said I need the $500 to buy gas and groceries not to give it to them for a hot spot and I hate to be whiny like that, but it's like that's it just that's that's what that's the way I feel it. 
okay? Uh, and then somebody else said, well, my, my upline bailed on this program two weeks ago, and now I know why. And it was on and on, a endless stream of negativity. I mean, you talk about following the herd. The herd <laughs> that's what, I mean, I saw it right in front of me, and I'm thinking, I just, I don't have time for this. You know, Kentucky's getting ready to score. I mean, that's kind of where my mind was. So, but there was so much of this that I had to do a quick zoom for our team during the halftime of the Kentucky-Tennessee game and then a Facebook Live after the Kentucky-Tennessee was over, team, after the Kentucky-Tennessee game was over, basically just saying, guys, cool your jets. We'll get all the details this week. And and for me, it's like, look, you either trust the people you're doing business with or you don't. You either believe that they understand that for them to be successful, the field must be, or they don't get it. And And in general, I mean, I'm the most skeptical person I know. I turn over every rock and I look behind every curtain. But when I make the decision, I mean, I make the decision. And honestly myself or nobody at this point has enough information to make any kind of logical uh, decisions or even assumptions at this point. And the truth is, for me, I mean, the way I look at it, if I put a $500 deposit down on the box and I can get back that deposit and make $700 within the first couple of months, I mean, honestly, for me, if if I can do that within the first year, if I can recoup my initial investment within the first year, from my perspective, it's like uh, send me every box you can. I mean, compare that to real estate or or you know any other investment. I mean, if I can get back my initial investment within a year, I'm all over it. But again. You know, I, I don't have the mentality I needed that $500 to pay for gas and groceries. And it's like, then keep your $500. That's what I would That's That's fine. Keep your $500. How old are you? Again, we see things not as they are, but we see things as we are. So, I mean, if if the $500 deposit on a box makes sense numbers wise then then obviously the $99 down and $19 a month lease or whatever it is is going to make sense but again i see things from my perspective and as i am and honestly this is uh this was the most important announcement at this event and it was not handled well at all far too many questions remain they did they did say everything would be answered with a couple of webinars that were coming up this coming week. But that should have been such a better job should have been done. Uh, Whatever it is, when the questions are, whatever it is, when the questions are answered, then we can figure it out and and what the best move forward is. And again, nobody's going to know that till the end of this week. And in my mind, this is just, Business. I mean, it doesn't phase me at all. That's how I'm made up. I mean, I've walked away from a $10,000 plus monthly consulting income. I've left, 
a network marketing organization that was paying me 25000 plus a month if I never left my house. I mean, I've left money on the table a few times over the last 40 years when, when, when something didn't make sense to me. And I hope, I, I hope, you know, that I never have to do that again. But if I do, I will. I mean, I, I guess for me, money is such a non-motivator that every time I say that, I know 90% of the people have no idea uh, what I'm talking about or how that could even be true. But anybody that really knows me will tell you that. So the truth is, you know, what I've discovered is when people are squeezed or feel pressure, uh, they they you they really reveal how they feel about themselves uh and how they really how i mean they really reveal how they feel about you know a, a situation they're in the people they're with and how they feel about their about themselves and unfortunately on some level that's what's been happening around the world the last couple of years with COVID and all the political grasp for power that's happening, not just in the United States, but they they got all kinds of challenges in Australia and Canada and all over the world. And people are feeling squeezed. So it really doesn't take too much to flip their trigger. few weeks ago on this podcast, I was riding high with my 6-0 Kentucky Wildcats who were getting ready to play 6-0 Georgia. Dawn's team, my team's the Wildcats. Uh, I knew there was a small chance to win, and I also knew that if we played Georgia 10 times that Georgia would win 10, but there was still a small hope that existed. I mean, it could happen. It could. This could be the year, but, you know, Kentucky got beat 30-13, to 13, but uh, they played with them during the first 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 half. They were really doing well, and there was one play, a forward pass, that was called a fumble that honestly swung the momentum of the entire game. The referees got it wrong. Now I'm not saying Kentucky would have won uh, if the correct call had been made. They probably wouldn't have, but you never know. But that's the way the ball bounces in sports. However. You know, many positive Kentucky fans said, you know, after the game, you know, we could still be 11-1. and one. My gosh, Georgia is the best college football team out there, period. Uh, you know, and if we can win our last, next five games, our last five games, uh, we could have a real chance to, to be 11-1 and one this year, which would be just unbelievable. So then we proceeded to go down to Mississippi State and play the worst game of the year. And, you know, State had their very best game of the year, and they just kicked our butts, you know, in every aspect of the game. They beat us badly, 31-17. to So now we're 6-2. and And on the calling show after the, you know, after the game, you know, fans were very disappointed and, and you know, disgruntled. Uh, and it was a very disappointing loss. Nevertheless, you know, many of us remember what it was like being a Kentucky football fan before Mark Stoops got here, the coach of Kentucky. We, we, we remember, you know, our best hopes for a football season. And we're a basketball school. But our best hope for a football season was could we get to six wins by the end of the year so maybe we would be invited to a bowl game. And if, if Kentucky was invited to a bowl game, it's like we've had a successful year. And now we're bow eligible after the first six games of the year. 
that's something most Kentucky football fans have never experienced. So, you know, it's all good. So last night, with people freaking out about IHUB, and I'm trying to watch our biggest rivalry, one of our biggest, Kentucky and Tennessee football game, I find myself asking myself, Dale, tell me again why you decided to come out of coast mode. Tell me again, Dale, why you decided to come out of coast mode. Uh, It was unbelievable. But anyway, uh, you know, Kentucky has a real hatred. And I know that's a really strong word, but we aren't talking about people. We're talking about sports teams. But we have a real hatred for, for, for Tennessee, Louisville, and Duke. Uh, Tennessee's a border state, and the rivalry has been fierce my entire life. Uh, my granddad didn't have one good word to ever say about Tennessee. And it's just a big, big rivalry because back then, in the, and when I was growing up, I mean, Louisville was so insignificant, it didn't mean anything. Uh, and, the, you know, they've gotten better over the years. So the last last night, this game was unbelievable. It was back and forth and back and forth. And it was 24 to 21 at halftime. Tennessee was winning. Uh, for the game, Kentucky ended up having a season-high 600 yards of offense. And in the final minutes of the last quarter, final minutes, Kentucky's driving down the field. A touchdown would pretty much put them ahead and, and – more than likely seal the game, seal the game, seal the win. And our quarterback was tackled to the ground, and a defender grabbed his face mask and dragged him, drug him to the ground. Uh, I mean, he gets up grabbing his face mask at the official, like, call the face mask, call the penalty. He was irate, the quarterback was. And, and guys, this is not even close to being questionable. I mean, it was clear as a bell on the replay. The defensive player grabbed his face mask, which is an automatic, you know, uh, 15-yard penalty. Uh, Our coach, Coach Stoops, is going berserk on the sideline, and he ended up getting a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct with a 15-yard penalty against us. So again, Classic example of ego. Any sane referee, any someone who's not driven by their ego, referee, knows, has to know, that if a coach is going that ballistic on the sideline, it's not that he disagrees. I mean, there's something wrong. You missed the you missed the call. So the the proper thing to do is just understand, hey, I, I'm sure I missed it. I hate it. But at, at no point should you throw a flag and charge the coach with unsportsmanlike, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. You're just, you're just putting fuel to the fire that you started and messed up to begin with. See that kind of ego. If you, it's it's fascinating to me, it really is. It's fascinating. Uh, so honestly, the momentum swing changed right there. It really did in the game, and I hate to see the referee, you know, stole it from us. I, I don't like those kind of fans. I mean, the bottom line: if you were better, then you would have won. 
But that man, that that momentum swing changed the course of the final minutes of the game, and Kentucky ended up losing uh, one to one of the most hated rivals we have, Tennessee, forty-five to forty-two. And I know we have a lot of Tennessee people that listen to this podcast. I love you guys, but uh, 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 not the balls, not the balls. Uh, the offensive had their very best game of the year. They looked fabulous. Honestly, the defense probably had their worst. But the defense has been solid all year long, and Coach Stoops and the coaching staff did everything they could you know, during the game. And during the after-game interview, the players and the coaching staff were clearly disgruntled and disappointed. Uh, and if you ask me, you know, they left it all out on the field. I mean, they gave it all they could give it, and that's all you can ask as a fan. That's all you can ask, leave it on the field. And, you know, I'm a Kentucky football fan, but as I've already stated, I'm a basketball fanatic. Uh, My immediate thought was after the loss, well, one good thing that comes from this, it'll probably keep some bigger-name football schools from coming in and trying to hire stoops away from us, at least at the end of this year. I mean, if they had ended up going 10-1, and I was feeling like, hey – you know, that could definitely possibly happen, and, and I like the guy. I mean, I like the way he recruits. I like where his focus is. I mean, so that's probably not going to happen, and I was feeling okay. They left it all on the field. Then after the game, the call-in show, what it sounded like I was listening to a bunch of Tennessee fans. It was embarrassing. I mean, Tennessee fans, they 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 for the last – I mean, they haven't been – Revelant. Is that the word? They haven't been significant, significant in college football since Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's already retired from the NFL, Tennessee fans. I mean, come on. You haven't had, you haven't been significant since Peyton Manning. And they think they're, they're like Alabama, Georgia status. And they always have. And they just embarrass them themselves. Uh, Anytime I, I'm driving through, I like to put it on 99.1, the animal, when I'm driving from Kentucky to Tennessee, just so I can have a good laugh for an hour listening to these crazy Tennessee fans. And last night, it was embarrassing listening to the, the post-game show after the Kentucky game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm people saying, same old Kentucky football team as always. We can't win the close ones. We choked during this. And it was just stupid, ignorant people that needed to voice their attention. Stoops needs to to go. He's not going to get it done here. It's like not going to get it done here. He's already gotten it done here. Just because Kentucky is expected to compete for basketball championships and Final Fours every year does not mean that they have the that uh, they're entitled to t- to to do the same in football. I mean, come on. And I'm not saying Stoops won't get us there at some point. I believe he could, but not with you know. Come on, guys, wake up. It is what it is. You know. Uh, you know. And then they talk. Well, why didn't they punt at the end of the first half instead of going for it? And and I'm sitting there listening to this. And I'm thinking, if they had gone for it and not got it. The same guy would be calling in, why did they go for it at the end of the first half instead of punting it away like they should? 
people calling, this loss is going to kill our recruiting. We're going to have people decommit from us because of this loss, and on and on and on and on. It was it was horrific trying to listen to it. And I do because every now and then you get a voice of reason that comes in and tells people the truth. But again, it was just a classic example of me and, and just confirmation and something I've observed for many years that when people are squeezed or feel pressured or feel massive disappointment, when that happens, who we really are and how we really feel about ourselves and others is always revealed. It always is revealed. If there's anything I've learned from sports, uh, that would probably be it over the years. And since you know we're putting people in business, we need, need to be aware of this because this will happen along your journey. People are going to feel threatened and, and, and disappointed and squeezed to the point where they're just going to get emotionally. We think it's irrational. It's not irrational. It's an indication of who they really are. And if you're going to build people and build teams, understanding who you're dealing with as soon as you can is very, very important because there are going to be challenges along this journey. All any of us can do is make the best decision we can with the information we have and move forward. Pivot when you need to pivot and ground ourselves in wisdom of the ages is wisdom of the ages truth proven principles be careful who we listen to i mean we can't be surprised when people have bursts of negative emotions we can't be surprised when liars lie or when gurus tell us what we want to hear so they can sell us what they want to sell us people must act in accordance to their own programming they must act the way they're programmed. Spell check in is going to check the spelling. It's not going to do math a math program for you. The programming in your mind for success members know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, news pundits will call people who live in Virginia racist even after they elect the first woman of color as lieutenant governor in their state. No, it doesn't make sense, and it's not going to. It's just not going to. I, I mean, it's not going to. All we can do, and I've said it many times, is take care of the person staring us back in the mirror. And we have to refuse to see ourselves as a victim even when we have reason to. Even when we have reason to. And, and we have to understand it's not called being mistreated or being a victim. It's called life. Life happens. And understand, you must move forward and progress no matter what obstacles are placed in front of you because this too shall pass. You know, the last thing I want you to be aware of is the metaverse. This is something I've had my eye on for a while, but really never felt the need to bring it up on this podcast. But about three years ago, in one of our businesses, we ended up buying a ton of closeout headset virtual reality goggles. And I'll tell you, three years ago, I didn't know what virtual reality goggles were, okay? I had no idea, but, you know, you can put them on and you can play games and it covers your eyes and it puts you in a virtual reality world when you have these goggles on. Again, many of you probably are familiar with those now if you have grandkids or kids. 
but I had no idea what they were at the time, and we bought a bunch of them. And it appeared from all the research and everything that we did that they were selling very well. So I thought, well, this will probably be a popular Christmas uh, item, and we bought all that we could get our hands on. And we, I mean, they they we sold out before December first. They were gone, and that was my first. You know, okay, take note of this, Dale. There's something going on here. This VR goggle world. Uh, from that experience and metaverse metaverse is a term most of you have maybe have never heard of and when i think about it i mean it's like i think it's comparable to how much people understood about cryptocurrency say 10 years ago you know that's if you say okay 10 years ago this is what people knew about cryptocurrency then what people know about about metaverse right now is about the same as people know knew about cryptocurrency 10 years ago and you know it's like cryptocurrency only two percent of the population in the united states have any cryptocurrency in their investment portfolio i mean so it's still crypto still early early as to where it's going to go without question i mean the writing's on the wall there and but before i get into this and you guys just think Dale's totally lost his mind. He's crazy. Uh, let me ask you a really quick question, and y'all just think about this. But have you seen the uh, the movie The Social Dilemma, the Netflix special, The Social Dilemma? If you haven't, you have to see that. I mean, whatever you have to do to see it, find somebody that has Netflix. If you don't, and you got to see The Social Dilemma. I mean, it it. it is important as an entrepreneur moving forward to understand what's really happening in this world and how things are changing at levels that emotionally and psychologically that people can't really put their mind around. And if you say, if you've seen the social dilemma, maybe you won't think I'm as crazy as I go through this, but believe it or not, there are people around the world that spend most of their life in virtual reality worlds they spend more time in virtual reality worlds than they do in the real world they're called metaverses the metaverse okay the popularity of these alternative realities especially since the pandemic has grown at alarming rates people are literally sitting around the couch all day with VR headsets on living in an, in an alternative world where they have their own friends in that world. They have homes and they can drive cars and motorcycles uh, or whatever they want to do. And I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about grown adults. And I know it sounds crazy and I, and I know this is going to even sound crazier but it is the future. I mean, my grandson Jude, for months, every talk time I talked with him, we would talk about all kinds of stuff. He's a very, very high IQ young man. And, and he was always talking about, uh, Grampy, for, for my birthday, I'm going to get a blah, 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 blah VR headset. That was what he wanted for his birthday. Uh, yeah, he got it. But just let me say that 
This is the future. How fast it's going to get here, hard to say. But it is the future, and millions will be made inside of these virtual reality worlds. Uh, remember the first back, back to the Future movies when the shark from Jaws 19 was the movie Jaws 19, and the shark comes out of the the sign out in front of the movie theater, out in front of the billboard, and snaps at Marty McFly. Uh, some people feel that in the future we will live in an alternative reality world and we'll have contact lens and we won't even need these big goggles or headsets that people are using today. And here's my only point. People will be able to go into these alternative worlds and live by the ocean if they want to, uh, in their ocean front real estate. Uh, they can go to a high-end mall and buy coach purses or whatever their heart's desires or even, you know, find an old Shelby Cobra. Uh, if that was their dream car growing up, the Shelby Cobra Mustang or a Harley Davidson or anything they've ever dreamt about in their life. They can go into these virtual worlds and buy them and live where they want to and literally communicate with people. I mean, talking to people through headsets in these virtual worlds. I mean, it's ridiculously crazy. And I know it sounds totally whacked out. And I know, uh, you know, I just I really see this as, as people have more and more trouble in the real world understanding i mean why do we want to go to mars richard branson i mean elon musk it's kind of you know it's like we have to stop sometime and just we don't have to understand it all but we have to be aware of what's going on and but when people have more and more trouble understanding who they can trust who they can believe in uh is more and more liars are being called out i mean there's a reason People don't watch CNN. You know, the ratings are just, there's a reason for that. So as more and more liars are being called out and school boards are being asked intelligent questions, I mean, there's still going to be 70% of the population who will not be able to focus on what is important and just let the rest of it go. I I mean, the problem is the attention span of a gnat. And you, you, we all see all this happening. We've, I've, I mean, I've said what started two years ago. The most important entrepreneurial trait moving forward from this point on in history is the ability to focus. And already, our minds are not able to keep up with the tech and things that just are, are going to continue to speed up to the speed of thought. It's not going to slow down. And I know it's hard to imagine, but look at the number of hours the average person spends on social media media daily. Uh, a virtual world is coming, and many kids are living in it now playing video games, and it can't be stopped because they're the adults of the future. And really the only reason I mention this is just to say there will be new opportunities for real business in these virtual worlds. I mean... How will people buy their beach property or their Shelby 
Cobra Mustang. You know, in the real world, U.S. citizens use dollars and the Japan, the citizens of Japan use yen and, of course, European uses the euro. Each one of these worlds, each one of these worlds will use their own cryptocurrency. And yes, (laughs) it's already happened. Facebook has invested $10 billion into this alternative reality. And again, I just felt like I needed to just mention it. I've been thinking about it for a while. Then when I saw this article, it's like, you know, people already think you're crazy, Dale, so just go ahead. You know, so now you're telling me, Dale, I I can become a millionaire in an alternative reality. Well, if you live long enough, who knows? I'm just saying it's coming. So there's an article that came out, I don't know, about maybe a month ago. And the headline of the article, and I'm going to put it in the show notes, make sure I do that so you guys can, can read it if you want. But the headline is, Facebook is reportedly planning to rebrand as founder Mark Zuckerberg aims to focus more on launching a metaverse an augmented reality overlay to common life. I'll put the article in the in the show notes. Okay, enough of that. Let's get let's end this session with a real good dose of reality. What I'm getting ready to share with you next, you know, it's like you can't make this stuff up. If if you look, and if you're looking for it, there's always a sign of hope. Yeah, always, you know, one of my grandmother's favorite quotes was, this too shall pass. And, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to pass that on to many people over the years at a time when I felt like they really needed to be reminded of that. And no matter how crazy or whacked out the world gets, there's always going to be opportunity for entrepreneurial spirited people who believe in themselves and their ability to become self-educated and take action. So since we were talking about the World Series late earlier, uh, I just want to share a couple of things with you that I found this week. Uh, actually, Don found them and shared them with me, and I thought it was pretty cool. The first is from Vince Scully. If you've ever watched, if you're my age, you know exactly who Vince Scully was, is. He's a legendary voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think he's 94 right now. But when they started the playoffs and World Series, they had him on on uh, Zoom. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, let's play baseball, which is how he started a lot of games over many, many, many years. But I thought this was interesting. This was from Vince Gully. He said, would you believe in the year Hank Aaron passed away, the Braves, the Atlanta Braves, won 44 games before the All-Star break, 44 games after the break, and they won the World Series on the 44th week of the year. For those of you that don't know, Hank Aaron's number, he wore 44. Pretty cool. This, uh, kind of spoke to me. And, 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 and again, you know, Hank Aaron was a, a pillar in the community his entire career, 
here in Atlanta. And he's a good-hearted man. And I didn't, you know, whether you agree or not agree with his politics was really not the question. It was, you know, where, 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 where was he coming from? And, you know, uh, if you know the story of the Atlanta Braves manager, if you know anything about Hank Aaron, the one thing that people will agree on for sure is he was an encourager of people. And, you know, you're probably aware that there's been a lot of political and racial unrest here in Atlanta and really all across the world or across the United States since the election. You know, the stuffing of the ballot boxes in, inside the precinct that was caught on videotape but got ignored uh, happened here in Atlanta. You know, tearing down statues uh, last summer and then some drunk fella, he fell asleep in a Wendy's parking lot. And so he's, he fell asleep in the Wendy's parking lot, uh, at, at the, at the drive through window. And he's backed up traffic all the way around the building. And the employees went out there to check on him and they tried to wake him up and they couldn't get him woke up. And, and they didn't know if he had, he had, you know, having a stroke or what was going on. They called the police and the ambulance and the police came and, you know, they got the guy woke up, uh, and he was blue on the, boy, the, the, the breathalyzer and was like three times over the limit. And, you know, they're going to arrest him for, you know, being drunk, whatever that's called. And, um, so they're, t- and all this is on video. So they're, they're, they ask him to turn around and he turns around. They get one cup on and then he like swings it. There's two officers there. He swings at one of the officers and takes off running and they run after him and tell him to stop, stop. And they ended up tasing him. And they, and when they tased him, you know, they were able to get him, get the other cup on and get him in the back of the cruiser and, and, you know, take him downtown, I guess. And all this was on the news. And then, so the guy was trying to resist arrest. He was publicly intoxicated. There was no question about it. I mean, we, we saw everything that the cops did. It was, a, it was a black gentleman, a cop, and a white one. And they did everything right. And they got him in the cruiser and took him downtown. And it was on the nightly news. And then the the... The BLM group starts screaming foul and all of this, and they come back and they burn down the Wendy's restaurant. They burn the restaurant down because the police tased a gentleman. They didn't shoot him. They tased him and arrested him for public intoxication. I mean, so much crazy stuff here. We see it all the time. I try not to even watch the local news. But they, you know, they always preview at 11 or whatever. I'm trying to watch Kentucky basketball. I don't care what happened. You know, and, but then it's like they burnt down the Wendy's. So then you almost have to get the full story. So Georgia and many other states are making changes that will hopefully eliminate voter fraud, uh, you know, including to make sure that you have an ID if you plan on voting, which for some reason mainstream media has convinced those that can't think for themselves that if you require an ID for a person to vote in the United States of America, 
uh, election process, and and if you require an ID, that's an ID that's being racist for whatever reason. And the one thing I've always reminded myself uh, before I go to vote, I mean, that, look, because that, I, ha- I went one time to vote, and I didn't have my license with me, and they made me go home and get it, so I've never forgotten it since. I mean, a wise person learns from their own mistakes, but a really wise person learns from the mistakes of others. But anyway, just in closing, uh, somebody, Nancy A-G-E-R, I'm assuming she's a resident of Atlanta or around here somewhere, uh, we found this and just wanted to share with you this with you. Because, again, there's always signs of hope if you're willing to look for them. And this may be going out on the limb a little bit, but is it? It may be going out on a limb a little bit, but is it? Because I think a lot of times there's signs of hope that we could see if we were looking for them. And we don't see because we're not. But anyway, I, I thought this was awesome by Miss A.G.E.R., And I'm just going to read what she said here. Baseball justice. MLM moves an all-star game that honors Hank Aaron because we changed our voting laws to prevent cheating, though Georgia voting laws are less restrictive than Joe Biden's Delaware or Chuck Schumer's New York. Okay, but Major League Baseball... And because people are griping and complaining and the squeaky wheels here in Georgia, uh, they moved the All-Star game, which was scheduled to be here in Atlanta this summer, out of Atlanta because they don't like the way Atlanta votes. I mean, stay out of politics, baseball. But anyway, let me continue. This is really good. Uh, A man named Justice, Dave Justice was his name, hits the last home run to win a World Series for the Braves in 1996. A man named Freeman, Freddie, hits the last one to win the 2021 World Series. A pitcher named, pronounced Freed, shuts out the opposition like Tom Terrific shut out the Indians in 1995. The Woke commissioner had to recognize the Braves who did not give up their mascot like the Cleveland Indians or the Washington Redskins football team and had to give the trophy to Solar, the powered Tommy Hawk chopping Brave who was the MVP and recognized as only the second World Series MVP from Cuba, a failed communist country. We also got to hear from the Braves, Atlanta, native shortstop, who hit some key home runs and gave the glory to God. You can't make this stuff up. And if you aren't a Braves, I know we have a lot of Braves fans that listen to this. But even if you're not a Braves fan, if you look at all these coincidences and the names, it just kind of gave me chills when I heard it. It's like, you know, what everybody was talking about, you know, how the Cleveland Indians got to change their name. And the, and the Braves said, we're the Atlanta Braves. That's our history. It's no disrespect to anybody, anytime, anywhere, but that's who we are. 
And I'm sorry if somebody's feeling gets hurts about it, but that's on them. That's not on us. They need to get past it themselves. And they're, you know, doing the tomahawk chalk, chop. And they're, you know, and it is what it is. History is history. And you cannot, you cannot, you can't change history. You can only learn from it. So anyway, I, I wanted to share that with you guys. Just in closing, one last reminder. We see things not as they are. It's our responsibility to let the facts make our decisions, not our emotions. And to program our minds to count our blessings every single day. Live in a state of thankfulness with ambition. Thankfulness with ambition, as Jim Rohn shared years ago. This is Dale Calvert. Thanks for being here. Your feedback and comments are always appreciated. I'll talk to you next week on another session of the MLM Success Podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, wisdom of the ages training, or answers to your questions.